This week on the ACO podcast, it's all about arrangements. I'm Joseph Nazetti, multimedia producer with the Australian Chamber Orchestra. One week out from her second national tour with ACO, I catch up with Italian violinist Lorenza Burrani. I'm Lorenza Burrani. After the wonderful work and tour that we did in 2016, I'm very happy to be back. Featured on the program are Prokofiev's first violin sonata of 1946, Bulgarian English composer Dobrinka Tabakova's Such Different Paths of 2007, and Beethoven's 16th string quartet in F major, composed in 1826. The Prokofiev was originally written for piano and violin, Dobrinka Tabakova's piece for string septet, and Beethoven's string quartet for four string players. Yet here they're all presented by 18 musicians. So what's really involved in giving string parts to many players instead of one player? And what does it mean to transform a piano accompaniment part into a string accompaniment part? Performing the triple duties of soloist, leader and arranger on this March 2019 tour with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Lorenzo Barani unpacks these questions and more. Hello. Hey Lorenzo, how are you going? Hi, I'm good. And you? Yeah, very well. We're excited to welcome you back to Australia. Have you been back since 2016? No. No, no, no. I'm, it's, it will be my second time and I'm very happy to come back. Fantastic. It's a good time of year to visit. You'll be catching just the last bit of our summer. Actually, speaking of the outdoors, I've just noticed that you're playing football in your Skype profile picture. Uh, yes, that is a very impressive picture. <laughs> so it looks like I'm, I don't know, Roberto Baggio. But if you if you look carefully, there is no way that the foot will hit the ball. <laughs> it's very impressive, but I remember I failed hitting the ball. <laughs> All an illusion. Yeah. yeah, I'm left foot with the, with the feet and right, yes. right arm. <laughs> So it um, looks like you're keeping pretty busy at the moment. Yes, I'm extremely busy because I'm just finished almost one month of work nonstop with other things. And now I have this big project in Australia and February is short, mm. you know. It would be good if February had 31 days, but it has 28. And now, <laughs> So I'm teaching in these days and uh, I have to study and then also this arrangement by Prokofiev that I made, but mm. it will be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For ACO audiences who also came along to your 2016 performances, there's a nice symmetry between the 2016 program and next month's repertoire. Yes. One 20th century violin sonata, one Beethoven quartet, yeah. and then a smaller piece to round out the program. Yeah, with the difference that this time it's a contemporary piece by Dobrinka Tabakova, and uh, the other time it was this uh, Schubert minuets and trios for strings, the little jewel of early romanticism. Mm. Have you had many encounters with Debrinka's music in the past? No, this is my very first time, so it's my debut on her music. I, I think it will be a good presence in the program because Prokofiev and Beethoven are in a completely different way very serious, you know, I mean, very strong. They require a lot of concentration. And this piece by Dobrinka Tabakova, it really comes to you and uh, gives you a bit of a breath, I think, in this program. I've spent a little bit of time listening to it. There's such a wonderful contrast between the more sort of rhythmic, folk-like uh, central section yes. and the serene ending. I know I'm not the only listener to find a certain similarity there between the closing moments of the lark ascending and her piece. 
Yes, and also the folk music uh, side is present also in Prokofiev. In the sonata, you find a lot of folk music themes, especially in the last movement, some children's song. When you create music, there are different tools and inspiration dimensions that you can explore, and uh, there are connections in, in this. On this tour, Lorenza and the ACO debut her new arrangement of Soviet composer Sergei Prokofiev's haunting first violin sonata. Taking up the task of adapting familiar solo music, Lorenza walks us through the technical challenges and fresh artistic perspectives presented to her as an arranger. I grew up with this piece. I played the first time, I think I was 16, when I played Prokofiev, 15 or 16. And I played it a lot with the piano. I come from a Russian violin school, so this was really a core part of the repertoire. I've actually had a little look through your arrangement and I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Have you arranged many other pieces in this way in the past? Uh, No, I have to say, I have to thank ACO for switching my mind towards the world of arrangements because I think I was a little bit uh, more conservative in the past. I mean, I always imagined the strong double bass part in a very symphonic way, but what inspired me to arrange it for orchestra is exactly this arrangement of Schnittke that I did two years ago, the Schnittke violin and piano sonata that Schnittke himself arranged for violin and string orchestra. There are quite a few different characters that the piano plays throughout the piece. Yeah. In the second and fourth movements, for instance, the piano is so percussive and boisterous. Yes. On the other hand, it's exactly the same music that the violin is playing. So it is also string-like. Mm. For example, in the second movement, it's a duel, no? A duel, yes, absolutely. Yes. Between these two instruments, piano and violin. They duel on the same words, mm. on the same articulation, on the same notes. So. Yes, it sounds percussive, but also the violin then should sound percussive when you play that. That's why for me it was completely natural to imagine an orchestra of strings doing that Mm. motif. Then the third movement, very differently, the piano accompaniment is pianistic, it's flowing, it's shaded with dynamics. Yes, the accompaniment, the legato accompaniment of the triplets, that also the violin does it. Mm. So it's a writing that you can transfer to the strings. Relatively straightforwardly. Apart in a couple of spots, which are probably the most difficult to arrange when the piano has these arpeggios. These arpeggios and things, these are purely pianistic writing. There is not so much of this really pianistic writing in the sonata part in the third movement. Mm. For those arpeggios, uh, big arpeggios, when you divide the voices and give it to the different section, it can sound very dry. I try to cross up the lines in the in the strings, crossing up some voices and um, adding some notes in the middle. To add some of that weight and resonance from the piano part back. Yeah. 
returning to Beethoven, it might seem on the surface that choosing to scale up a string quartet from one player per part to many players per part might be less involved. As we'll hear, the challenges with Beethoven's late quartets are no less profound, but centre instead around performance traditions, tempi, and the acute care needed to preserve shading and depth in these intimate masterpieces, while maximising on the extra firepower afforded by the ACO. For ACO Artistic Director Richard Donetti, encountering recordings of Beethoven's late quartets presented as string orchestra pieces was a profound musical moment of discovery. When I was a kid, I always looked at these late string quartets as being something that I possibly could never understand nor play because a lot of them are really difficult to perform. But then I had this uh, epiphany on my first solo trip to Europe and I had an old Walkman, well it was new at the time, and on it I had a cassette of uh, Opus 131 played by the old men of the Vienna Philharmonic conducted by Leonard Bernstein and I played it over and over again uh, as I disembarked a plane from Australia landing in Frankfurt in the misty seven degree rather depressing climate and geography of the Rheingebiet in Germany. I uh, had this music playing in my in my Walkman and as I took the train up to Zurich and then changed trains this music was going around and around in my head and, and, and I started really getting it. I was able to enter the portal into, into this astonishing, strange, beguiling music. The history of performing Beethoven string quartets in string arrangements goes back a long way. It seems that uh, Richard Goldner, who was the founder of our very own Music Aviva here in Australia, played arrangements in 17 strings of the string quartets. Pre-dating recordings, people used arrangements in order to access music that they weren't able to otherwise access. Uh, mainly through piano, but also through string orchestras. It's a way, it's a portal uh, through which one can enter to listen to string quartets in a way that changes the music, I would argue, in, in a positive way. You can still maintain the intimacy, but you're able to create string symphonic colours and sounds out of these arrangements. Lorenz's initiation to Beethoven's late quartets as string orchestra pieces came much more recently. Already when they asked me to arrange Beethoven 131 mm. two years ago for orchestra, coming from the music school in Fiesole, uh, directed by Piero Farulli of Quartet Italiano, I was very purist about this music. This is for string quartet, for string quartet it should be. 
But then working on 131 with an orchestra, it gave me the chance to look at the score in a completely different perspective and think new things. And I learned a lot. For me, this choice of performing the string quartets in an orchestra is doing something that makes you understanding the piece more, makes you mm. understanding a composer more. In coming to interpret something like the Beethoven Lake Quartets as string arrangements, there's a long history there. Toscanini in the 30s. And around the same time, Klimperer, Weingartner's arrangements of the Grosse Fugue, maybe most famously for a modern audience, Bernstein's recordings of the 70s and 80s, some of which featured substantial departures from what you might expect from a quartet performance of these pieces, yes. in terms of slower tempo, for instance. I mean, that was Bernstein with a very big orchestra, symphonic orchestra, and also probably an aesthetic taste that also led to those tempos. A quick sidebar here on Beethoven's opus numbers. Opus simply means work, in this case a single work of music, and Beethoven's unique opus number identifiers are often preferred by performers to avoid confusion around similarly titled pieces or pieces in the same key. During this 2019 tour with Lorenza, she'll be performing Beethoven's 16th quartet, opus 135, or just 135. The other piece you'll hear mentioned is Beethoven's opus 131 quartet, which Lorenza played with ACO in 2016. When we did the Beethoven 131 with the ACO, the tempos were pretty much how you would play them in a string quartet. And also the tempos that I have in mind for 135 as well won't be slower because we are many people. You can play also with an orchestra in a very light way. It's a matter of how you shape the rehearsals and, and how you work on the concept. And for me, doing this work of reading a score, for example, let's say of this one three five, and imagine it for an orchestra, asks me a question I wouldn't probably ask so strongly when I rehearse in a string quartet. So, for example, if this is a tutti moment or this is a solo moment, um, very important for transparency, what I can do to make it transparent, because this is the, the most important thing. In a string orchestra, uh, everything can sound very thick. So the three-dimensional side of the piece can be more difficult to to express. So in uh, you have to work on the balance in an even clearer way than with four people, because four people have four individual sounds already that can give uh, individuality and three-dimensional uh, side, even if you don't understand it completely, you know, what hierarchy to give uh, the voices. In an orchestra, you definitely have to understand the structure probably even, even more in order to deliver the idea of the piece. And so to go deep in the score, doing this work is really precious. You can really express this piece also also as an orchestra and give it another light. Yeah, fantastic. That about wraps things up. Thanks so much for joining us, Lorenzo. Really looking <laughs> okay. forward to meeting you when you get into Sydney. Thank you, thank you. See you next week. Bye bye. Lorenzo Barani and the ACO will be on tour this March around Australia. 
Till next time, this has been Joseph Nazetti and the Australian Chamber Orchestra Podcast. Hello. Uh, no, this hello is horrible, but <laughs> <laughs> not so easy to do it. You know, I'm not, I'm not an actor. Okay, yeah, maybe one more.